This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, June 22, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. The Supreme Court is poised to put some meat on the bones of the Heller decision, in which the court found that the Second Amendment does contain an individual right to keep and bear arms. And once the right is incorporated against the states, it may not be a slam dunk that the highest level of judicial review should apply. So says David Koppel, Associate Policy Analyst at the Cato Institute. The Heller decision was about the handgun ban in the District of Columbia. The D.C. City Council's powers are exclusively grants from Congress, according to our Constitution. So Heller was about whether the Second Amendment was meaningful at all, but Heller decided only that the Second Amendment was a limit on the federal government directly, as every portion of the Bill of Rights is. McDonald asks the question, does the Second Amendment apply to the uh, state and local governments via the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment, as almost all of the rest of the Bill of Rights has been held uh, to so apply. So opening this issue up of, of the 14th Amendment, it opens several other issues related to how the Second Amendment may be applied to under specific circumstances, times, places, exactly. a broad, broad range of exactly. issues. Exactly. And I think one of the reasons the Supreme Court chose uh, McDonald versus Chicago, and then the companion case, NRA versus Chicago, as the way to uh, decide if the 14th Amendment makes the Second Amendment apply to the states, was it was a fairly clean issue in terms of the particular control. Uh, Washington, D.C. banned handguns. We know that's unconstitutional under Heller. And Chicago bans handguns. So they don't, the court in McDonald doesn't have to amplify Second Amendment doctrine at all. It's possible they, they might do so in, in dicta, or they still might leave us uh, in the same situation we were after Heller of knowing there's an individual Second Amendment right, knowing you, you can't ban handguns, knowing the right includes the right of self-defense, but not having a lot of other guidance for what kind of other controls might or might not be constitutionally permissible. That seems unlikely. Well, the Supreme Court in Heller listed uh, in dicta uh, a a short paragraph of some presumptively constitutional gun control, such as longstanding bans on gun possession by felons or the mentally ill, bans on guns in sensitive places, uh, for example, schools and and courthouses. So the court in McDonald might add to that list, or they might add some doctrine to that and say what the standard of review is uh, for Second Amendment cases. I think one of the... uh, misunderstandings many people have, which is an understandable one, is that once you pass this 14th Amendment test of being incorporated by the 14th Amendment, into the 14th Amendment and therefore applicable to the states, when the court does that, the court says we incorporate it because it is a fundamental right. There's other Supreme Court cases that say when fundamental rights are arguably infringed, We use the strict scrutiny test, which is the court's strictest test. Uh, It's the one they use uh, for racial classifications, except for the sometimes when they like the racial classification, but at least it's the one used for bad racial classifications and for many content restrictions on speech. Now, a lot of people understand that when you jump that hurdle of having the right uh, incorporated against states, that you do automatically get that high level of scrutiny? Not at all. Being fundamental enough to be to join the 14th Amendment Club and apply to the states, 
doesn't mean you automatically get admitted to the strict scrutiny club. It certainly helps your uh, application, but it doesn't mean you'll get in or it doesn't mean you'll, you'll fully get in. For example, even the First Amendment has lots of, of different levels of scrutiny within that. And there, there are many uh, speech restrictions, including uh, restrictions on campaign speech, that have been analyzed on something other than the, uh, the strict scrutiny test. So how should we expect uh, the Second Amendment to be uh, applied? How, how might it be applied? Well, the lower federal courts have really been grappling with this. And they say on the one hand, well, we know the weakest possible test in, in the Constitution, the rational basis test. That doesn't really make any sense because that law uh, upholds, upholds anything as long as it's not patently insane. And the very fact that the Second Amendment right is enumerated and that the uh, Supreme Court majority in, in Heller rejected Justice Breyer's argument for what he called a reasonableness test, which was sort of a maybe a little bit stronger than mere rational basis, but still a very weak test. We know that's probably not the standard from, from Heller itself. On the other hand, the, the list of presumptively constitutional controls listed in Heller, you could argue a lot of those wouldn't pass strict scrutiny. Uh, because straight, for something to pass strict scrutiny, there has to be no less restrictive alternative, and the restriction has to be narrowly tailored to the compelling government interest that it, it seeks to advance. So arguably, some of those presumptively constitutional controls don't pass that uh, standard, which would leaves us with intermediate scrutiny. That's the standard that was first developed uh, by the Supreme Court in, in Frontiero versus Richardson uh, to be used in sex discrimination cases. Since then, it's been applied, for example, to a lot of election law in cases. And even within intermediate scrutiny, there are, are different flavors of it. For example, uh, there's a weak version in the election laws uh, of intermediate scrutiny where you would say, oh, the government decides that the polls will close at 6 p.m. instead of 8 p.m. Uh, that's nominally intermediate scrutiny, but it's a pretty easy version to pass. Other, other times, intermediate scrutiny can be very difficult to pass, as it was in the uh, Virginia Military Institute case, where Virginia had a, a male-only military college and pretty readily would have passed the uh, intermediate scrutiny test as it's normally been applied, but Justice Ginsburg's uh, opinion there gave us uh, the super-powerful intermediate scrutiny, which the uh, Virginia Military Institute couldn't pass. So we're really at something of a loss. And likewise, on, on strict scrutiny, sometimes it's really strict, but uh, Justice O'Connor's opinion for the court in the uh, University of Michigan Law School uh, discrimination cases where the school was pretty blatantly discriminating in on the basis of race in its admissions, the court said, well, strict scrutiny applies, but here it's going to be deferential strict scrutiny. We're going to defer to the uh, University of Michigan and its admissions policies. And that sort of turns strict scrutiny on its head because that's the, the point of being so strict is you're not deferential to the government that's allegedly infringing rights. So now, but, when, but now there is deferential strict scrutiny out there. So arguably that could apply to the Second Amendment. And it's also possible you can chop it up and say it, it, it depends where you're doing it. You might say, well, we'll have strict scrutiny for banning guns or strict scrutiny for guns in the home for self-defense, but we'll have a, a lesser standard, maybe intermediate scrutiny for laws about guns in public places. So, so many possibilities out there. It seems that 
it's a lot more of a coherent division between rights that are fundamental and not fundamental, which I don't, many people don't recognize to begin with, uh, that all rights are fundamental, but it seems at least more coherent than these various levels of scrutiny that themselves have other levels of scrutiny within them. That's a criticism that many people have made, including uh, Justice Scalia. Uh, he, he criticized the another test we haven't even talked about. That's the undue burden test, which was invented uh, by the O'Connor, Souter, Kennedy plurality in uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey for abortion rights. In, in practice, it sort of looks like something a little bit lower than intermediate scrutiny, but stronger than rational basis. And he said, you're, you're just making this stuff up because you want to uphold a lot of abortion laws while still protecting a, an abortion right. And by doing this, you've introduced this sort of poison into the system because then some court that doesn't like another right could put a, you start using the undue burden test on that. And certainly there's a possibility uh, that a hostile court might start doing that on the Second Amendment. And of course, the, the challenge for a federal judge who really doesn't have any ideological concern one way or the other and is just trying to follow the law, at this point doesn't have clear guidance on what, ex what rules he is supposed to apply uh, in, in doing that when gun laws are challenged. David Koppel is Associate Policy Analyst at the Cato Institute. You can read more on the Heller case and the Second Amendment at Cato.org.